What can a 35-millisecond moment in swing jazz tell us about our sense of hearing, capacity for music, and even human consciousness? Scientists have made a breakthrough discovery on what makes swing jazz swing. It's a phenomenon that's so fleeting, even professional musicians can't point to it, but we can feel it. The results appear in communications physics. I'm Joseph Polidoro, and you're listening to Science Quickly. Swing is a subgenre of jazz, but the word swing also refers to a distinctive rhythm that long outlasted the swing era. It could be heard in music from Chuck Berry and the Beatles to Rage Against the Machine and the electronic project Anomaly. Here's a straightforward, unswinging rhythm. And here's a swing rhythm. Swing rebels against a straight 50-50 meter with a prolonged first beat, or downbeat, and a shortened second beat, or offbeat. This swing ratio can range from light, about 55%, to hard, around 72%. In terms of feel, swing grooves. It makes you want to move your body. You'd think that swing ratio would be all there is to swing, but it's not. For jazz musicians, computer-generated jazz that includes a swing ratio just doesn't swing. Something else is going on. This was a motivation to get uh, into this uh, field and to, uh, to try to solve this question, to try to explain what swing is. That's Theo Geisel. He's a theoretical physicist specializing in nonlinear dynamics at the Max Planck Institute for Dynamics and Self-Organization in Gerdingen, Germany. Not to mention an accomplished saxophone player. In the 1980s, an ethnomusicologist and jazz drummer named Charles Kyle claimed that swing depends on very small rhythmic variations called microtoning variations among musicians. So little timing discrepancies between the onsets of different instruments that are participating in a performance can be felt especially by <laughs> professional jazz musicians. But almost all jazz musicians I talked to were not able to identify the nature of these delays. In Theo's field of nonlinear dynamics, synchronization is a central topic. And as a musician, he saw a connection to this question in swing. And that's, that's what I had in mind for years. <laughs> uh, and uh, it took me a while to, to find the right colleagues with whom I could do that. Theo's team devised a perceptual experiment that would determine if listeners preferred swing with microtiming delays by soloists and what kind of delays they preferred. The researchers converted several jazz tunes into a digital format that allowed them to control the timing of the rhythm section and the soloists. For each tune, they created three versions. In one, the solos were completely synchronized with the rhythm section. There were no delays at all. In another, there were very slight soloist delays on both downbeats and offbeats. And in the third version, there were soloist delays on the downbeats only. You 
You can take the test yourself by following a link in this episode's program notes and scrolling to the bottom of the page. Almost all soloists uh, used small downbeat delays with respect to the rhythm section. So only the downbeats are delayed uh, and they are delayed by a minute amount. How minute is that delay? Well, it's something like 35 milliseconds long. Musicians clearly preferred versions with synchronized offbeats and these very slightly delayed downbeats. The researchers also used the newly available Weimar Jazz database to establish that most swing soloists are, in fact, deliberately using these microtiming delays. But the paper's most intriguing observation came at the very end. Even the professional jazz musicians were astounded they couldn't explain why they preferred swing performances with downbeat delays. The very people who are skilled at playing solos with microtiming delays could feel it, but they just couldn't explain it, Theo and his colleagues wrote. The swing feel relies on this hidden element we're not consciously aware of. It's amazing that the brain is able at all to perceive differences, even without being able to identify them. I asked biologist Nina Krauss if this surprised her. Not really. No, I study sound in the brain at Bravolts. That's Nina's lab at the Auditory Neuroscience Laboratory at Northwestern University School of Communication, where she is a professor of neurobiology and otolaryngology. We investigate many, many topics from uh, athletes and concussion, music, rhythm, bilingualism, language, language and its disorders. And it all falls under the umbrella of sound and the brain. The swing study doesn't surprise Nina, who, by the way, sings and plays several instruments, because we're able to hear and make sense of sounds that are much faster than these soloist delays all the time. We may think of ourselves as a visual species, but as Nina explains in her recent book, Of Sound Mind, we're really an auditory species. The hearing brain is vast, and the hearing brain engages what we know, what we pay attention to, what we remember, how we how we combine information from our other senses, how we move, and how we feel about the sounds. So, you know, the fancy way of saying that is our hearing brain engages our cognitive sensory motor reward and visceral um, systems. And, and music is just this, the jackpot for the hearing brain. For example, our ability to hear such small timing differences. When it comes to timing precision, Nina wrote in her book, the auditory system leaves the visual system in the dust. We can hear differences in timing as small as one hundredth of a second or 10 microseconds. In fact, human speech calls on much faster hearing than the microtiming delays in swing jazz. That, that's, that's easy for our auditory system to do if you think of speech sounds. In human speech, time-based sound distinctions are the most difficult. For example, a B versus a P at the beginning of a word. The initial sound of a B is briefer, 25 milliseconds or fewer, while the initial sound of a P is longer, between 30 and 50 milliseconds. That means a well-functioning auditory system can distinguish a difference of as little as 5 to 10 milliseconds, even in a noisy room. And we do this almost continuously. According to Nina, single sounds such as a B, a P, or an O, called phonemes, happen 25 to 30 times a second in running speech. It speaks to how complicated sound is. Nina also isn't surprised that professional jazz musicians couldn't point to microtoming delays as improving the swing feel. Really, almost anything we do is done without our 
conscious awareness. We've done experiments where we have uh, created sounds and played them to participants and have them tell us that they cannot perceive the difference between two acoustically different sounds. Yet we can see very clearly that their brain is responding to these differences. That sounds a lot like jazz musicians preferring solos delays without perceiving them as delays. What's more, learning how to play with these tiny delays is subconscious too. We have an evolutionary complex efferent audio system from the cerebral cortex to the ear that tells us what to pay attention to. This efferent pathway is connected to our memories, our movements, our senses, and it links many systems of the brain and body. So we're learning, 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 and initially we don't even know what we don't know, but with time we start to pick up on various details and we you know, start learning that uh, there are certain aspects of sound that are really worth paying attention to. And over time, some of the processing is taken up by a different neural pathway, the afferent system. And so finally, when we learn something, we are doing it uh, with a, a tremendous amount of, of information that we have gained over time based on our experience. This is truly important when we think about music and making music. Sound is a very, very deeply ingrained part of our biology. Our brain even may have evolved from music. Researchers who have studied our perception and creation of music think that music played a protective or connective role in early human communities. Uh, you, you might think of the right hemisphere that allows us effective emotional communication through vocal intonations. Presumably such mechanisms were highly important for group survival. They were also likely to have deep roots, the deeply emotional stirrings by music. Sound is deeply connected to how we interact with the world and with each other. As a survival tool, sound is intricately linked to memory and has a part to play in generating expectation. That may be why our brains are tickled when certain rhythms subvert our expectation and why Theo's subjects prefer their swing with regular tiny delays. Music relies on expectation and playing with our expectations. But what's interesting is we can still hear the same music over and over and over and over again and still be sort of surprised by it, at least on some instinctual level. The surprise is permanent. And that's because we sort of process it first before we access our memories of it. Milton Marikides is a composer and an academic at the University of Surrey, the Royal College of Music, and the University of Oxford, all in England. He's also Gresham Professor of Music at Gresham College in England and a jazz guitarist. And what about the man who began this inquiry, Charlie Kyle? What does he think of all of this? Well, he's intrigued and not entirely convinced that science can explain something as effective as music. Charlie's resistance is of a piece with many musicians and other artists who are reluctant or even refuse to analyze their art. As if by seeking to explain it, we rob it of its magic, the very thing about art that we prize. Jazz musicians often don't want to talk about this because maybe it feels that it'll kill their mojo. I think it's a shame to imagine that any magic is lost. Newton's discovery of the color spectrum is good here because what we discovered is that there aren't a fixed number of colors, but there's an infinite gradient. And by so doing, not only do we recognize the colors that are there already, 
but we discover so many more and it just becomes more beautiful really it 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 didn't kill the magic it uh, it raised more interest <laughs> it raised even more interest in 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 jazz music and i i listen with different ears now for scientific americans science quickly i'm joseph podoro science quickly is produced by jeff delvisio tulika bose kelso harper and corinne leon our theme music is composed by dominic smith You can listen and subscribe to Science Quickly wherever you get your podcasts. For more in-depth science news and features, go to scientificamerican.com.